When heaven came to earth, it separated everything else. That's why Jesus said whenever John the Baptist was beheaded, right, whenever his disciples were there and they, he sent them ahead to, to ask Jesus, hey, when he was feeding the 5,000 and he was preaching the gospel to thousands, and he said, uh, said, go find out for sure if this is the Messiah. Even though he knew it was, he baptized him, the Holy Spirit revealed it to him and all that. But in his jail cell, when Herod's, uh, was getting re- Herod was getting ready to behead him, he knew he was going to die. He wanted to make sure that he was right. You know, it's when the pressure comes. It's when you lose hope. It's when you lose expectancy. It's when you start to cling to things, even to the point that things you had so much belief in and, and, and you cared so much about and you were so convicted of, when the real hard pressure comes, sometimes we begin to doubt. Sometimes we begin to doubt what we once knew that we knew that we knew. Sometimes we begin to doubt what we really thought was true. Maybe it's not. It seems to be true for him. It seems to be true for her. It seems to be true for their family. But what about my family? What about what we're going through? Lose a loved one. What about what we're going through? My spouse battling addiction. What, what about what we're going through? I don't know where my kids are today. What, what, what are we going through? Are we going to even be able to pay for Christmas? No, we'll just charge it like everything else and then sweat over it for an entire year just trying to make uh, the bills, get the bills paid to make the ends meet. So when the pressure comes and you feel combined and you feel confined and you feel held down and pushed back, you feel like you're the one at the end of the line, that's when a lot of times we begin to even doubt God. We begin to doubt him in a situation, maybe you've been a Christian for a lot of years, but this last couple of years have been a lot of pressure on everyone. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ and you find yourself in a situation like, why try that? I'll just blow it like I blow everything else. I'll quit it like I quit everything else. I'll mess it up like I've messed every relationship up. Or you may be saying, you know, why try Christ? I've got a good life. I don't really need anyone or anything. I've worked hard. I've got my education. I've got my business, whatever it might be. I've got my great family. <clears throat> Do I really need the, all the clutter of, you know, going to church more than two times a year, you know, Easter and Christmas? But whatever situation you find yourself in this morning, Christ came. And the Bible says he's no respecter of persons. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what situation you find yourself in, he came for you. Say, he came for me. And John shares that with us. Let me read John 1, uh, John 1 verse 1, beginning verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, Pastor Bill Walton shared with us, you know, uh, uh, the truth about physics and stuff and, and having to do with light. And one of the things that he says in his book, and he had mentioned teaching about light, and the speed of light is much faster than the audible sound or the speed of sound, right? But it's been proven that at most, we as humans can ever grasp when we look at something visually is about 3% of what's really there. You know, a lot of times you're looking at your life. Do you really see what's there? It reminds me of the, the skit whenever, you know, uh, the guy was like, oh, my shoes, he's getting up and his shower's wrapped in a present, right? His coffee's in a present and he pokes a little hoe, his car that he has. These are the same shoes he has every day. That's the same briefcase he takes to work five days a week. 
But what it was showing us, the reality is, do we really see what we see? Because we might see our relationship as hopeless. We might see as our health is hopeless. We might see that our financial situation is hopeless. We might see that our spiritual life is hopeless, meaningless. But what I want you to realize is, are you really seeing what you see? The Bible says that when you get to heaven, it says that whenever you go to heaven, but you can't go there without receiving the light, Jesus Christ, right, as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you will be known as you are known. And whenever we're seen there, we won't be going to heaven in this body. The Bible says that when you pass away, what? You'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Now, there'll be a day when there's a new earth and a new heaven, and you'll get a new body. But it's interesting that you will be known as you are known. You see, God knows you. The Bible even talks about that before you were even born, he already had the book of your life written out in heaven. It's already been spoken about in heaven, these truths about you. But the problem is, do we even see 3% of what God created us to do? Do we even see 3% of what God created us to accomplish? Do we even see ourselves and love ourselves to the level of 3% of what God wants us to see and to see that we're loved? I think it's interesting that light is used because as we look through science and we see all the science with light and how, how, it, uh, how it's so amazing and everything is really in light and begins in light. Remember when God created the heavens and the earth, what did he do? He created light to separate the light, and then he separated the light and the darkness. I want you to realize that whenever you're going through something in your life and it's dark, what happens? You know, it's like going into a room with condemnation. That's what condemnation is. You've heard me use this before. You go into a room, and you've not been in that room, and it's been torn apart, and then someone says, go in and put, you've been in the room, you walk out, then it's been torn apart with a thousand items, and then they take you back in to put the room back together. You think you can, but they keep it dark. They turn the lights off. That's condemnation. That's when you live your life, you're walking your life out, and you know it's not exactly right, but you think you can put it back together. You kind of remember how it goes. But then all of a sudden, when the pressure comes and you say, I got to do this or I'm just going to blow it all. And you go into that room of your life to straighten it up, put it in order, it's dark. There's no light there. You can't see how to put it back together. You're frustrated. You know this is not good. I, I can't put this room back together. I can't do it by myself. And that's the way it is walking through this earth, right? Walking through this earth trying to put our room back together. Walking through this earth trying to put our life back together. I mean, I'm sure you've all been there. I know you have. We all have. Because God's no respecter of persons. He's not going to make it easier for me or easier for you. He's not about that. He's about making a way, the only way, the truth and the life in God, in Christ Jesus. And that truth and life is the same for all of us. Faith is Equal honor, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.9. Whenever Paul, Peter said that they, they, have this, they have obtained the same like precious faith as us, talking to the other, uh, uh, the other disciples, what was he saying? That word precious faith means equal honor. We all have equal honor faith. We all have a equal access through the grace of God to enter into the kingdom of God. But we can't enter in when we're standing in the darkness, when, when we're trying to rearrange grief out of our life, when we're trying to rearrange loss out of our life, when we're trying to rearrange unhappiness and, and unforgiveness and bitterness out of our life, we don't quite, we know we need to fix it. We know we need to get it out of the room and we need to put our room in order and have the right thoughts in our mind and the right thoughts in our heart and do the right things that we're supposed to do. But we're walking in darkness. We don't have the truth or the light to set us free, to make it clear, to restore 
back to the nature God created us to be. Isn't that what being born again is? That means something in you is not alive. The Bible says your spirit, who you really are, is lying in a state of unconsciousness or in a state like death. But when you are washed by the water of the word and the spirit of God, when, when you receive the grace of God, you're saved by grace through faith, what happens all of a sudden is now that part of you that was there before your body was is alive again. And it's the DNA of God. We are the family of God when we give our life to Christ. But until that time, we're in darkness. Now, conviction is when the Holy Spirit begins to press on you because you know you can do better, you can be better, you can have a happier life, you can live a more fulfilling life. Conviction is like when you go into the room and you say, I want to straighten it up, and you give your life to Christ, the light comes on. The light comes on. And all of a sudden, he begins to restore things to you. He begins to give you opportunities to put things back into place. Now, you still have to make the decision to do it. He just makes it possible and gives you the opportunity. But it all starts with the light coming on. You see, that's what salvation is. The light comes on, right? You know, you see those little cartoons when somebody gets a great thought that's got the light bulb above their head or whatever. I know you're a little old if you see that, right? But whenever you see the light come on, that means there's a sign of change. And that's what happened when Jesus came. What He didn't come just as anyone. He came, what, as the light of the world. And then it goes on to say, not only did He come through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made in him was life, and the life was the light, look now, of all mankind. Verse five, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You say, whenever you shine a light in a room that's dark, what happens? It lights the room up. It can be the tiniest little light and light a huge room to where you can see. Why? Because that's how much greater light is, the strength of light, than darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came to be a witness and to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only to witness of the light. And that's what Jesus said whenever his disciples came to John. John's disciples came, and, and, and they wanted to know if he was for sure the Messiah. He said, here, just go tell him what you hear and what you see. He knew when John heard that, he would know that could only be the true Messiah. And John was ready to go off with God at that point. Verse 9, it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world, and though in the world, he was made through, even though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, get this, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. I believe you really haven't truly come alive until you give your life to Christ. That's when the light comes on. That's when you can begin to see yourself the way God wants you to see. That's when you begin to see the truth, and the truth will set you free. So as in verse 14 the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, which is a form of light. God made visible, God's made seen. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, look now, full, everybody say full, of grace and truth. 
Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in the place of the grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Look now, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Remember I talked to you about that last week? that the law is given to us to be a tutor. Isn't that what it is? It's to be a trainer, to really show us that we can't live it without God. We, we, you know, you can be religious but not born again. You, you, you can be what you feel is saved but not even blood-bought. It's his toning of his blood is what transforms us and brings us alive, alive again. You see, right at this moment when Jesus was born into this earth, what happened? That's when heaven came to earth. And heaven does what? It, it brings light. It brings hope. You can have, that's why we hear those saying, it's like heaven on earth, right? That means that it's fulfilling and it's, it's a fullness that we have. So no matter what your circumstances are, so we're getting ready to pray, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what condition you find yourself in, up or down, in or out, good or bad, you have a right to become a child of God. You have a right to have the light turned on in your life the Bible talks about the eyes being the window of the soul. It also talks about your eyes being a light. And really, that's the way the optic nerve and all that works with reflection, so you can even begin to comprehend what light is. It's an amazing deal in itself. See, whenever you give your life to Christ, the light that you need to see God for who he is and to see yourself for who he created you to be is turned on. Look again at uh, verse 12. Well, yeah, look again at verses 12 and 13. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. See, a lot of, everybody has faith. The question is, what kind of faith? You know, you can have faith that everything's going to turn out bad. You can have faith that, you know, everything's going to be awful for you or it's going to, I'll be okay for a while and then I'll blow it again. You can have faith in the negative just as much as you have faith in the positive. So don't say you don't have faith. You can have faith that your life would just be as miserable as it's always been or it's been as good as it's always been. But you do have faith. The key is what kind of faith do you have? Faith is simply knowing and trusting, right? When we have faith in God, we know and trust in God. He is who he says he is. He'll do exactly what he said he would do. But it's the same way in your life. We see on our money, in God we trust, don't we? And when we see that in God we trust, you know, okay, we see what that money would do. $10 to get you this, 50, 100, 1,000, whatever it is. We see what it do. We trust that when we lay that down at the counter, what happens? It's going to do what it's supposed to do. Well, that's the same way with your faith. If your faith is negative and if you're looking at yourself like, man, I, I, don't, I don't have a hope or, man, I'm going to blow it or why would I try this God thing? I'm not ready. I'm too young. I'm too old. Whatever it might be, Excuse me, a little dry there. Whatever it might be, I want you to realize that you have faith. But what I want you to understand is, you, what are you going to apply your faith to? Because whatever you apply your faith to is what you get. Faith is a vehicle. It's a vehicle to take you, the Bible says, into the unseen realm, to bring things into the seen realm. But you know what? It can bring the negative things in the unseen realm into the seen realm. Just as, it's just as powerful tool as it is to bring the positive. 
It's just like a gun, right? It can be used for safety or to get food, or it can be used to hurt, to harm, to murder. So whatever it is, it's the same tool. It could be a weapon or it could be a gift. That's the same way with your faith today. Your faith can be a weapon or a gift. Your faith can be working against you because it's not faith in God. It's faith in you. It's faith in others. You say, no, it's not faith, Pastor. It's faithlessness. No, that is what it is. You have faith that it will be faithless. You have hope that it will be hopeless. So whenever you come to this realization, you begin to realize, wait a minute, who do I truly believe in? Where, where is my faith? How, how can I change? You say, but Pastor, how can I change it? You don't have to. You just need to make a decision. You say, well, that, that's silly. Just make a decision. That's the craziest thing I ever heard. Well, why don't you do it, big boy? Why don't you do it, big girl? It's so easy. Just do it. It's no big deal, right? Just make a decision. You know, you can make a decision about what color of car or what color, you know, tile you want in your house or whatever, but man, making a decision about your eternity, it seems like that'd be the most significant, important thing you could ever do. But why is it the one that we wrestle over the most? Why is it the one that's the gut-wrenching and we start laying out our life going, what do I have to give up? What do I have to let go? What, you know, and, and so many times there's things you're worried about giving up and letting go that God's going to work out in your favor. What if someone finds out? What, what if they end up knowing, and I can't lie, and I can't do this? What you got to realize is you put all that in God's hands. Because the Bible says, know the truth, and what the truth will set you free. So we have belief. We have faith. The key is, what do we have faith in? Or should I say, who do we have faith in? Let me read verses 16 through 17, and we're going to pray. I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Version. It says, for out of his fullness, who? Jesus' fullness, right? For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, right? Superabundance of his grace and truth. We have all, everybody say all, received grace upon grace. Now the key is, have you received it? Because God's no respecter of persons. It says we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing, upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. For the law was given through Moses, but grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God, the truth came through Jesus Christ. As we get ready to pray, I want to challenge you what I even talked to you about last week. We have in our English language and other languages as well, you know, descriptive languages. We'll have, you know, a noun, a verb, an adverb, an adjective, something descriptive, and so on. But I want you to look at, at grace not just as an adjective or an adverb, but I want you to look at it as a noun, as a person, place, or thing, but we're going to look at it as a person. Because the Bible started out there in John 1, 1, said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then it says on down there, the Word did what? Became flesh and dwelled among us. Who's that? That's Jesus. He's the only God that came and, and became flesh to dwell with us. So what I want you to realize is, guys, is that, that he came so that heaven could come. When they said, well, Master, how do we pray? He said, pray like this, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom done on earth as it is in heaven. What, but, but, but what do we do, Jesus, when we have an authority issue, we have a problem, we got to do it. He said, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. We look at heaven as some ethereal by and by. He says you're living in it. 
Of course, we're going to go to the heaven, but right now, you can have heaven on earth because heaven can be in you. You can have the peace of heaven in you. You can have the joy of heaven in you. You can have the hope of heaven in you. The problem is, most of us don't walk in that kind of grace or faith until we pass on. The greatest faith you see sometimes is when you see someone there, there's no more worry, no more fear, because a dead man can't think. A dead man can't worry. They've already made their decision. They're in one place or the other. And what I want you to realize is grace came, guys, and it's no respecter of persons. As I think about that, the superabundance of God, the superabundance of his grace, the superabundance of his hope for you and I, the law was given, grace came. Emmanuel, God with us. I said something I'd never said last week, and I don't know if it's theologically correct or not. I haven't studied it out, but I'm going to say it again because I, I really believe this is it. If it's not, it's pretty good. You know, we, we visualize Adam and Eve, right, after they fell and they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We see them in their little cloths and figs in the Bible, the old Bibles and all that stuff. But I really wonder, and I don't know for sure, but I wonder if the fruit really was a fruit that mattered. You know, we pick out, the historians pick out an apple, right, or whatever. Could have been any fruit, right? Probably not an apple there, but whatever. But, but pick a fruit. And, and he's, I believe the act of sin was not what they ate. The act of sin was a decision to disobey God. He could have said, don't jump over that creek over there. He could have said, never walk up on top of that rock. He could have said, never row in the dirt. But he never gave them one thing that they had to obey other than do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I believe with Satan whispering in their ear all this time and they eventually did it, what happened? The act had already taken place. The act took place because of their heart and the decision that they made. So today, we're not just judged by what we do. Isn't that interesting that grace takes that away? Grace came. You're saved what? By grace. And then Romans 5 said, grace came, the second Adam, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So grace is not just an adjective or an adverb, but grace is a noun. You're saved by Jesus, right? We throw it in there, right? Saved by grace through faith, Romans 10 says, when we believe. Saved by grace through faith, what? In Christ Jesus' name, right? In Jesus' name. Why do we do that? Because we take on his name. We become little brother, little sister. We, we take on the family of God's name. And the only way we can take on the family of God's name is because God sent the family to receive us. And whenever you receive Jesus, the light comes on. You say, well, I don't know how to fix this. Good. If you trust and you give your life to Christ, we talk about giving it. It's not even really giving it. It's making a decision to be transformed, to be renewed. Because whenever you give your life to Christ, what happens? Whenever you turn it over to God, a transformation takes place. You've heard me say it a lot here in 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Chronicles 5. What happens? What happens? Old things pass away and all things become new because the books are reconciled. So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray with you right where you're at. And I just want to ask you today, are your books reconciled? 
Are you still living in darkness, worrying in darkness, living in fear? You see, all those things that Acts tells us in Acts 27 where Jesus came about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. You know what Satan is? He's darkness. He's evil. And any plan he has for your life includes darkness. Any plan he has for your life includes getting rid of the light that shines. But you are a witness to someone. If you're living in darkness, you attract darkness. If you're living in light, you attract light. But there's those special moments just like that moment when Jesus came to earth. Just like that moment when he came to earth through Mary and was lying in that manger. There was just that divine, amazing, immaculate conception, miracle, greatest sign of wonder that ever was and ever will be. Jesus came. And right in that split second, in the darkness, there was no power. There was no heat. There was no electricity. No, in the darkness, Jesus came, but when he came, he became the light of the world. And when he became the light of the world, it said even the shepherds could come from a far distance because of the star of Bethlehem, right? God lights up a path to get you to the light. And whether it's come to see your kids, grandkids, sisters, cousins, brothers, or just out of guilt today, condemnation, the light brought you here. It's a sign to you. It's time for your immaculate conception. It's time for you to be born again. It's time for you, like the Bible says, to become a new creature or creation in Christ Jesus so that the old you can pass away and the new you can evolve. That's why I always say today is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. Tomorrow's promise to no one. This is your time. No excuses. God set this time up in destiny and it may be the last time anyone ever presents the gospel to you. But today is your day of light. The day is your day of grace. The day, today is your day of salvation. The word salvation in Greek means to be whole, to be healed, to be the same, to be all these, to be blessed, all these things. But mainly it means you will be with Emmanuel and he will be with you. So I'm going to ask you, just on the count of three, if you would like to give your life to Christ or rededicate your life, say, I'm all in. I'm tired of playing. I'm tired of running. I don't know what it means. I don't, I don't know if I can live up to some standard. You can't. That's what grace is. Jesus is there to fill the gaps. Jesus is there to give the wisdom. Jesus is there to give the encouragement and the strength. Trust him. He wouldn't have brought the light to get you here and he wouldn't have given you the light to convict your heart to turn. So right now, your heart's ready to flip a switch to see everything in that room that you need to fix. And that doesn't mean your life is about fixing things. No, it just means that it's not a big deal. It means that it's under the blood. And there'll be things you think you have to put in order that he's already removed out of your room. You just can't see it yet. This is your day. This is your time. This is your divine moment. I'm going to count to three. If you'd like to give your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. When you do, I'm going to ask all those that raise their hand to pray, and we'll all pray with you out loud right where you're at. And this can be your day the light comes on. This can be your day that true expectancy is met. This can be your day, the greatest Christmas that you will ever have because that means Christmas. That's, that's the mass service celebrating the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one. So how about it? Are you ready right now? 
Are you ready to make the most important, significant decision of your life? Really, it's the only decision you were put on the planet to make because God wants to be with you, and he wants you to be with him. I'm getting ready to count. Are you ready? Just raise your hand up if you want to pray that prayer and receive. Oh, yeah, it seems easy. Try it. It will be once you begin. But all the, the thousands of decisions you make before you get to that point, this is that point. Thank you. Hands are already going up. Just keep your heads bowed. I'm just giving the Holy Spirit just a moment. Thank you for those hands. Keep them up. Thank you for those hands. Hands are going up. This is your day. Man, this is the day for you and your family. So we're getting ready to pray right now. We already have, I think, five people. With four or five people right now, their hands up. They've already made the tough decision. We're going to pray. How about you? This is your day. This is your promise. Here we go. You ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand up. Keep it up with these. Raise it up high. I want to pray for you right now. Hallelujah. How, thank you back there. Yeah. How many is that, David? I can't see everywhere. Nine or ten or five? What? Five? I know there's more. I know there's more than that. That's okay. Ever how many? Nobody's looking. I just want all those to stand, and then I'm going to have everybody stand with you. But for about three seconds, you're going to stand without anybody else on the count of three. I just want to look at you real quick and let you know I'm with you, and then we'll have everybody else stand up, and then it's none of their business who, who's praying. You ready? One, two, three. Just stand. All of you that raised your hand, just stand. Just stand. Just stand. Stand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to make sure we get everyone. Thank you. Yes, make sure we get everyone. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand with these folks right now. Come on, let's stand. Give God a shout of praise. These folks coming to receive Christ. You know, the coolest thing about this, this is an invitation you never have to be concerned about being rejected with, right? Because he came for you. You're special. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you can pray this prayer and receive Christ right now. Wherever you're at online, I'm sure there's people online now. Please make this your day, this your moment. Let's all pray this prayer, and everyone pray it with them. We have prayer connect teams ready to give them some information and be there for them as soon as we're done. But I want us all to pray, and you all pray this and believe it in all your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you came. I believe you died. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe... You're at the right hand of the Father. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are grace. And today, I make you the Lord of my life, my Savior, my King of Kings. Today, I accept you, Lord, as my Savior. Sin has no hold. Death has no hold. I am born again. I am blood-bought. I thank you as I give sin to you, fear and addiction and worry, give it all to you. It's under the blood. I am free. I am blood-bought. I am born again in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Give God a big shout for all those that did that this morning. Come on. Give God a big shout. Amen, amen, amen.